your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, today we're going to be talking about dun, 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 the truth. You know, I got to apologize. First of all, the uh, my mic isn't working, so we're working off the computer uh, speaker uh, microphone, so it's probably less quality than normal. I do apologize for that. But, you know, the truth, when you mess with the truth, it messes people up really bad. People that... Uh, are told uh, uh, lies, that's the one thing that will get most people to uh, go to rage. I mean, totally just go to rage, internally, externally, whatever. Trust is a huge violation, uh, and it's also a, a big dent against our integrity when we don't value it. And quite frankly, in marriage if you're, if, or any kind of relationship, if you're ever going to thrive in a relationship, the number one thing that you need to value is trust. You can love someone and not trust them. But when you trust someone, love always grows. So the people that stick in our life, the people that we have fond relationships with, the people that we don't see for 10 years, and then we see them and then the relationship just grows even more, those are people in our life that we trust to some extent, to some degree. But what we're going to do on this show is kind of break down what kind of trust there are out there because there's a lot of variances. So let's just give some background. You know, the, the truth, truth in itself uh, leads to successful action pretty much. And it's an instrumental value and it also has an intrinsic value. And so given the choice between a life of limitless pleasure as a, as a, a crazy human would like to have it, or a genuine human life, along with all its pain and suffering, most people would opt for, believe it or not, the latter, pain and suffering. You know, uh, Socrates says that aletheia, which is the Greek word for truth, is a compression of the phrase, a wondering that is divine. And since Plato, many thinkers have spoken of the truth and God in the same breath, uh, because much of his philosophy was built around truth. And it's also been linked to concepts such as justice, power, and freedom. All of those elicit enormous emotions in human beings. So, you know, if you even look in the Bible at John the Apostle, Jesus said to the Jews, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so today, God may, may be uh, not taking a big success tour of the world, but what about truth? You know, uh, even uh, Rudy Giuliani, uh, Donald Trump's personal lawyer, claimed that truth isn't truth. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things to this. You know, following uh, the defeat at the Battle of Actum in 31 B.C., Mark Anthony heard a rumor that Cleopatra had committed suicide. And in conscious, he stabbed himself in the abdomen. And then he found out that she had been responsible for spreading the rumor. And so he later died in her arms. So it's fake news. You know, it's nothing new, but in, in the age of our Internet, it has spread like a disease, swinging elections, fermenting social unrest, undermining institutions, diverting political capital away from health, education, good government. 
And fake news, uh, often referred to or referred to as false news, is uh, has a lot of traction. So one way to understand truth is to simply look at its opposite or opposites, namely lies and crap. You know, lies differ from crap and that the liar must uh, track the truth in order to conceal it. So whereas the, uh, let's call them the bullshitter, has no regard for sensitivity for the truth or even for what their audience believes. So truth is a, is a property, not so much of thoughts and ideas, but more of beliefs and assertions. But to believe, and I know this is big, broad speaking crap, but I was trying to try to put it all together in a nice nutshell so we can kind of understand it. But I got to throw the big concepts out there and the big words out there and the, and the big view. But, you know, just because we believe something does not make it true. And, and so for centuries, f philosophers have agreed that thought or language is true if it corresponds to an independent reality. And even if you look at Aristotle to say, uh, this is a quote, to say that what is is and what is not is not is true. <laughs> so that means it's our perception. It's our perception of the truth. So, you know, it, it's amazing to look at, you know, uh, and this guy, Michael Fawcett, he, he said, not of truth or truths, but of regimens of truth, categories and constructs concerning uh, uh, race, sexuality, mental disorder, uh, debt, you know, biological, uh, who we're related to, metaphysics, all that stuff has fairly different degrees of truth. So, you know, if, if we look at a, 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 a theory called the coherence theory of truth, a thing is more likely to be true if it fits comfortably into a large system of beliefs. And it remains that the system could be a giant fiction entirely detached from reality, but this becomes increasingly unlikely as we investigate, curate, and add its components, assuming, and it's quite an assumption, that we are operating in good faith with truth rather than self-preservation and, and aggrandizement of our own aims. So this, this conceived truth is not a property, merely a property, but it's an attitude, a way of being in the world. You know, so if we can actually do something useful with our system and its components, uh, according to uh, pragmatic theories of truth, truth leads to successful action because it's following a stream of beliefs with a course in mind and with an outcome in mind. So successful action is an indicator of truth. And so clearly, we could not have sent a rocket to the moon if our science had been wide off the mark. You know, the truth is only an exponent in the way of our thinking, just as the right is the only exponent in the way of our behaving. So if something works, it may well be true, but if it doesn't, it most probably isn't. So, you know, this is so confusing, but what if someone works for me, but not for you? Is that thing then true for me, but not for you? You know, for Nietzsche, who made himself a natural ally of uh, tyrants, truth is power and power is truth. So falseness of judgment is not necessarily an objection to a judgment. Rather, the question is, to what extent is life advancing, life preserving, species preserving, perhaps even species breeding, you know, short term, long term, you know, at what cost? So all the better if we can actually do something useful with our system of truth and its components. So as you know, when you go to different people's homes or go into different job environments, 
their truth is a different truth than what you may have had modeled in your own personal life. And so how uh, the values that, that families operate by, the, uh, the, maybe the religiosity that a family operates under, maybe the uh, 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 non-religiosity that a family uh, lives under, that is their truth. And that's how they work together. So, um, you know, life is advancing and we have to look at it as a good thing. Now, what is perception? You know, our sensory receptors are constantly collecting information from our environment. So it's ultimately how we interpret that information that affects how we interact with the world. So perception refers to your truth. Each of us have our own truths. And some of each of our own truths drive the other people that have different truths absolutely nuts. And so perception refers to the way that information is organized, interpreted, experienced. And so perception involves both a bottom-up and a top-down processing. The bottom-up processing refers to the fact that perceptions are built from sensory input. Or on the other hand, how we interpret uh, those sensations is influenced by our available knowledge, our experiences, our ignorance, our thoughts. So this is what's called the top-down processing. So we take it all in based on the knowledge that we have we take in what's coming at us, and then we form a truth about that, and that is, once again, called your perception. So one way to think of this concept is that the sensation is a physical process, whereas perception is a psychological process. And quite frankly, I call that uh, job security. So, for example, upon walking to a kitchen and smelling the scent of baking cinnamon rolls, the sensation is the scent receptors detecting the odor of cinnamon, but the perception may be, mmm, this smells like uh, the bread grandma used to make when the family gathered for the holidays. So although our perceptions, so even though those are cinnamon rolls, in your mind, plugs back to grandma uh, baking at Christmas. So, you know, our perceptions are built from sensations and not all sensations result in perception. So, basically, we, we often don't perceive uh, things that take place, uh, stimulus and remain relatively constantly uh, over prolonged periods of time. And this is known as a sensory adaption. So imagine entering a classroom with an old analog clock. And upon entering the room, you can hear the ticking of the clock. So an analog, uh, analog clock is what I'm actually staring at right now. It's where the second hand's moving and that you've got the, the uh, uh, hour and you've got the, the minute. And so, uh, you know, you may uh, have a great professor that's speaking, but your perception is you no longer hear the, the clock, but you're listening to the professor and you're into what they're teaching. And so that means that uh, your reality is focused on one thing taking place in the room rather than all of the other things that are taking thing, uh, in place in the room, and that forms your perception of the truth. Um, you know, there's another thing. Attention plays a significant role in, in determining what we take in and what is perceived. So, so if you're at a, at a party full of music and chatter and laughter, you get involved in an interesting conversation with someone. You tune out all the noise. And if someone interrupted you, you ask what kind of song had they finished playing, you would probably be unable to answer the question because you were more in tune with the conversation rather than the music that was playing. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting 
you know, if, if you ask uh, people to observe images moving across a computer screen and they're instructed to focus on either white or black objects and disregarding the other color, when a red cross pass across the screen, most of the people, especially in a study that was conducted, never even noticed it because they were instructed to look at black and white letters. So our brain has a tendency to take in down to the degree of our instructions of how to take things in. And so motivation really affects percep perception. You know, if you've been expecting a really important phone call uh, and you're taking a shower, you think you hear the phone ringing and then you discover it isn't, then you have experienced how motivation to detect a meaningful stimulus can, can shift our ability to uh, discriminate between true stimulus and background noise. So the ability to identify a stimulus when it's embedded in a, a, a background, especially a distracted background, that is called a signal detection theory. So that means that we have heightened uh, detection for specific things that we're looking for when we're, let's say, we're driving. When we're driving, we're probably more in tune with our visuals. Uh, we're probably a little bit more in tune with what we hear. Um, and so that would be the focus of how we take things in. There may be a conversation going on in the car, and that takes us maybe away from that focus, or it tunes us more into the focus, and we don't really hear what people are talking about. So, you know, these perceptual differences are consistent with differences in the type of environments that we are in and how we experience them by people, as people, in a cultural context. So people in Western cultures have a, a perceptual context of buildings with straight lines. And, uh, you know, it's a carpentered world, basically, as a guy named uh, 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 Seagal, who did a study on this uh, back in 66. And in contrast, you know, people from certain non-Western cultures with an uncarpentered view, such as uh, Zulu, South Africa, whose villages are made up of round huts arranged in circles, they're less susceptible to the illusion. So it's not just the vision that is affected by our cultural factors. You know, it, it's everything. It's the odors. It's the pleasantness. It's the intensity. It's the varies. It's it's how things are made. You know, children are, are described as often as thrill seekers, and they're more likely to show taste preferences for intense sour flavors, and uh, which suggests that basic parts of their personality might affect their perception. And so I know my kid, uh, when he gets his haircut, the next thing he's looking for is, where's my lollipop? Goes to the bank, where's my lollipop? That's, their, that's his stimulus. Yeah. And so they hold a lot of attitudes uh, towards those type of things that they, that they really want. And so his motivator for going to the store is, what can I get that I like? And uh, not that all of ours isn't, but his focus is micro-focused on usually something sweet. And I'm just using that as an example. So once again, what's this bottom-up processing? That's where perceptions are built from our input, uh, perception input, our sensory input. And then there's inattentional blindness, which is failure to notice something completely visual because we're not paying attention. There's the perception. That's the way our sensory information is interpreted and it's experienced. And then there's this thing called top-down processing, which is the interpretation of sensations that's uh, available knowledge, experiences, and thoughts that we filter everything through. So what is – now I've done all this breakdown of truths only to say one thing. We're all human. And life is, is – and once again, I'm not talking about uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, but life is – 
gray. It is not black and white. People do black and white thinking, you know, you are this, you are that. Uh, they do that to make things easier for them. Many times they label people that they have to deal with and then they deal with them as that label rather than the person they are. And unfortunately, uh, most married people, uh, after they have spats and, and disagreements and trust issues, often go to black and white thinking and reduce what they can say to each other down to what the other will accept. And so they have very inept conversations, very uh, poor conversations, and they treat each other like objects. And once again, I call that job security. So what happened to the simple truth? Well, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And today's word, the truth, seems to be a slippery concept. And so uh, we've officially adopted a number of different types of truths. So there's truthiness, which is a quality of seeming or being felt to be true, even though it's not necessarily true. Truthiness, truthiness. Then there's the alt-truth, which is basically, it's, it's kind of like an ideological grouping. So that means like a cultural uh, concept associated with uh, extreme conservative or reactionary viewpoints. Wow, look at today's politics. And it's also characterized by a rejection of the mainstream politics and by use of online media to disseminate deliberately conversational content so that you can interpret it into the context that you want to understand it. So you peel out of sentences what you want to hear rather than what is really being said. And, and nobody wins in that battle. Then there's the post-truth, and that's relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential and in shaping public opinion that appeals to emotion and personal belief. So we're going to talk a little bit more about truths, but here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. You know, when you're looking at truth, what you want to know is process, not outcome. Not outcome. You want to know what led to the decision because that's where we take the fury out of the answer. That's where we understand that most decisions, most things we do in life, even though they may infuriate us, have intentions and motivations. And most of the time, they're not intended to necessarily hurt but they do hurt because they may not take into account everyone in the picture. All right, so let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the truth itself. And, uh, and then we're going to go into how to interpret the truth. We're also going to know how to read if someone is telling the truth and uh, a whole lot of other things that are got a lot more specific, a lot more functional in your life than what has been spoken in this first segment. Thank you. Come back. <laughs> your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. 
Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the truth. All right, now, you know, in Hawaii... There's a word in Hawaiian language, ancient Hawaiian language, called oaya ayo. And uh, what it means is truth or to tell the truth. And it tells us, basically, we need to be truthful, authentic, and genuine. And it reminds us to be transparent in all situations with everyone. So, you know, <laughs> if you just had a panic attack uh, reading that <laughs> or thinking about that, you know, I, I get it. You know, we've been taught to protect ourselves, but not being truthful and, and, and forthright is an ingredient of that. And so we hold back parts of ourselves and withhold our true thoughts and feelings so that we don't rock the boat. So we pretend to agree with others to avoid conflict. That's called picking your battles. You know, in our day-to-day lives, it's so easy to tell little white lies. Uh, you know, uh, for many of us, it's become a routine that we hardly notice that we're doing. But, you know, here's, here's some examples. You know, what's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> do you, I think I do that. Um, do you mind say, uh, staying late to finish that project? No problem. Uh, do these pants make me look fat? Of course not. Uh, we have, you know, we have our reasons for not telling the truth. Um, but, you know, for every good reason, there's, there is uh, to lie. And there's a better reason to tell the truth. So, you know, the concept of OIAIO is more than just not lying. It's about showing up as who we really are. And if you don't show up authentic, you can't have true oneness with others and fully participate in life. You, you're, you are uh, prevented from being truly pono, which is aligned and at peace with yourself, others, and the world around you. So this OIAIO is a concept that... that, that if you take it to heart and, and, you know, if you believe in being kind, loving, and caring to everyone, you're also going to have humor. You're going to have laughter and you're going to have peace in your life. And so to integrate the truth into your life and make yourself a fully whole, honest person where you don't have to constantly plot and scheme, defend, remember the lies you told this one and the lies you told that one, keep people apart so that they don't have a conversation that you don't want them to have to believe, to, to find out that you're really just a big fat liar. You know, it's, it's, it's too much work to live in a lie. 
You know, and, and as frightening as it can be in, in a lot of situations, telling the truth and expressing yourself authentically is also great freedom because that's the starting line to healing. Once you've told the truth, that's as bad as it gets. Then it's a reel out of how we're going to deal with the truth. Yes, you're going to get negative reactions. Yes, you're going to get somebody uh, throwing up all over you and hating you and treating you badly. But if there's a required healing like in a marriage, uh, to, to tell the truth is the starting line of saying, I respect you enough to give this to you. And especially if the person doesn't have to ask for the truth, if you can actually just give it. You know, uh, that's a freeing moment. And that's a moment in Christianity when you've begun a very full, whole relationship with God and Jesus. That's when you've accepted truth in your life and you live within the truth and you don't fight the truth and you speak the truth and you don't do it in a way that it's hurtful. You don't do it in a way it's bitter. You don't do it in a way that's mean. You just deal with the truth as it is and then plot in your mind, how can we move this to a better place and how can we heal? You know, uh, think about how you feel around people who are authentic with you. You know, don't you feel a, a sense of trust and comfort? And, and the, what they say may be difficult to hear, but you always know where they're coming from. No hidden agendas, no ulterior motives, no sense of being manipulated. It, it's just if you can practice that OIAIO and bring your relationships to a whole new level that is deeper and more connected, that's where the rubber meets the road. And you can be an atheist, you can be a whatever you got to be, and still go back to that Hawaiian concept, and that gives you a formula that is much easier for living. You just have to be consistent with it and stay with it and live with it. And as you get older, it's because your memory fades, it's a lot harder to lie especially micro lies and little white lies because your brain doesn't hold them that long. And so if you don't live in the truth in your old age, you're going to find you lose your integrity, you lose your valuable relationships, you really you lose valuable time with people that you care about, and that can to- totally destroy your life. Uh, if you don't preserve your integrity in old age, you tend to be alone in nursing homes or alone on the street. You know, if you've been caught in, in a little white lie f- for a while, you can begin to practice your OIAIO, you know, make it a point to be aware of when you tell the truth and when you're not so truthful, when your actions are authentic, when you're just expedient. So pay attention to how you feel whenever you act or speak. Do you feel good and whole or do you feel inauthentic? And get in the habit of pausing before you speak or act to find your truth the most and the most genuine response so keep in mind that being truthful and authentic will become easier and more comfortable the more you attempt it most of our life most of our brain forms reactions to things that we're familiar and we do what's called muscle memory and we don't really think through things the way we need to and we don't really uh, operate with a sense of connectedness with other people we usually are operating for our own motives for our own desires to get what we want and uh, that doesn't mean it's bad, but what it does mean, it, it's, uh, it's a challenge to live with that. So honesty is more than not lying. It's truth-telling, truth-speaking, truth-living, and truth-loving. And that comes from James E. Faust. So if the truth be told, most people bear out uh, from Mark Dwayne's statement that people are never more truthful than when acknowledging ourselves as liars. We say it's wrong. We uh, use uh, euphemistic terms like white lie or fibbing to ease our guilt about it. But more often than not, we go right on ahead and continue to stretch the truth anyway 
for a variety of reasons. And we're not alone. You know, even in the animal kingdom, even uh, 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 lying is matched by birds, gorillas, and dolphins, which is fascinating. So fascinating that today, um, you know, if you look back uh, from the files of, of uh, for instance, like Psychology Today uh, readers, uh, at the end of uh, the new year, uh, people look at what they want to uh, get rid of in their life or change in their life. They make the change and, and if they really, really wanted it, they may last for a month, maybe two weeks. Uh, but most of the time, uh, the, especially, you know what is so funny, is health clubs and fitness clubs love the new year because they come out with this big special promo and all these people that are out of shape and not helping themselves and inconsistent with working out, they just sign up out of guilt for the fact that they've let their bodies turn into jello and they uh, start the gym for two weeks and the gym knows that they're going to, that only about 20% of the people that are actually signing up for the gym actually use the gym. Uh, and so functionally they can have a little small space and uh, have thousands of people signed up and they know that those folks are not going to show up most of the time. So, you know, it's, it's a guilt. It's kind of like uh, paying up for your guilt. Uh, is basically what that does. You know, honesty is the best policy. You know, it's, and I know that's uh, collective wisdom, but, you know, uh, the collective experience of our cultures over time has been that the honest tends to keep the most of us out of trouble most of the time, and that honesty in general tends to promote the well-being of our overall culture. So we tend to perpetuate values like truth-telling for the overall good of social interactions within our culture. And what's so interesting, and I did a show just a while back on microaggressions, you know, people love to peel words out of people's sentences to turn it into your prejudice against something. Look at how you've said this. You're prejudiced because you use this word. You know, you're prejudiced because you, you, you uh, maybe said something that said, you know, I don't know, something like men are better at this than women. Even if you use statistics, it's it's irrelevant. You know, it's amazing how people like to bend truths and get upset and, and create a, a problem with these uh, bending people's words and changing their interpretations and then labeling them as a very harsh black and white figure. It's it's so sad to see that. But that's that's the, that collective wisdom of your little cliques. And when you do that, you, you're going to try to make your truth the truth. So, you know, truth-telling is, is when we feel fine, but other times we decide a lie is, is called for. So we tell the lie and then often feel guilty because we know our decision doesn't adhere to the larger social value of telling the truth. So you, you're in a catch-22, you know. Uh, you know, do you think lying is always necessary in order to get out of tough situations? You know, lots of times, tough situations can be better navigated by telling the truth as diplomatically and directly as possible. But unfortunately, that prospect makes a lot of people uncomfortable. So in the moment, it sometimes feels easier to lie. So whether it's better to lie or tell the truth under those circumstances, well, it's hard to say. But, you know, people make their best guess. And then they sit back and see how things play out. And the feedback they get from such experiences it usually informs their future decisions about whether to lie or tell the truth. So, um, you know, you know, you, you may say that, you know, 
I noticed you, you mentioned that people don't know whether their lies will pay off. Well, you know, why do you think people take the risk of lying rather than being honest? And, and it's a good question. And I think it's the one we most often ask ourselves and each other when it comes to why we lie. And so, uh, you know, sometimes people are motivated to lie by the thrill of seeing whether or not they can get away with something. But more often, it, it's it's because people feel there's something useful or helpful to be gained by lying, either for their self, their family, someone else, their business. So, you know, lies can be motivated by many things, the possibility of looking good, avoidance of fear, preservation of privacy, sometimes even the need to survive some kind of extreme circumstance in which the truth could bring about a devastatingly harmful consequence. So, you know, lying can enhance someone's social standing, maybe temporarily, but, uh, you know, oftentimes we see those people whose lies and, and they're not trustworthy. Later on, it comes back to bite them like a boomerang. You know, sometimes being perceived as untrustworthy or even taking the risk of being perceived that way seems like an acceptable trade-off if there's some more desirable thing at stake. And this is probably especially true if the relationship with someone uh, risks burning beyond repair and is someone who won't normally have to be dealt with again, like a stranger. So sometimes untrustworthiness is a matter of degree. And so someone's uh, thinking may may turn out like, well, you know, what if I lie and I'm caught? Maybe I'll appear uh, a little bit untrustworthy because of the circumstances, because the person who may catch me in the lie knows that I generally behave in a trustworthy manner. So my degree of trustworthiness will take a hit but maybe not an irreparable hit. So, you know, if you look at other scenarios, it could be that, that trustworthiness is a cultural value, doesn't count as much as something else counts in the culture. Say like uh, taking care of business. If someone lies and is caught in, in a culture like this, it, it could still be worth being exposed uh, in the lie if, for example, some important thing gets accomplished as a result of the lie. You know, um, I know that... Uh, in uh, a town I lived in in California, they did not want to have the dealership, a car dealership there because it was a nice little kind of a vacation-y town. And what was interesting is uh, the car dealer made a bunch of promises about uh, paying for schools, paying into the community, uh, cutting car prices so people could afford cars. There was all kinds of promises they made to the city. And then the city said, okay, no problem. They allowed them to build. And once they built there, then they went back on all of their promises. Did they get the, 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 the dealership year? Did more commerce come to the city? Yes. I'm sure a lot of people are happy because the real estate went up. It tripled. But the bottom line is is uh, the reasons that they were trying to hold true, uh, the motivation for, for the car dealership actually formed the city rather than the city forming itself. Just an example. You know, what's your opinion about telling white lies? You know, do you think they're harmless as people claim? You know, it, it depends on the circumstances. Sometimes lies can bring about good without risking much going wrong. Uh, saying something nice about someone's sweater or the shirt, what you really, uh, you know, that you may not find it attractive. There's probably very little downside to it. But then again, no one ever knows. You know, what, what if the shirt is uh, really terrible? But five people tell white lies about how nice it is. And then the person being lied to goes out and buys 20 ugly, uh, ugly shirts. You know, have they been harmed by the lies or not? Maybe they have if they're somebody that needs to get gratification or validation. So what if the person is single and they're trying to wear nice looking uh, clothes to go on a date? Well, how do those ugly shirts affect 
their their dating concept. Now they think that that's attractive because all these people have said, "Oh, that's a very nice shirt." And in fact, it's just a hideously ugly shirt that even you couldn't get away give it away at Goodwill. And so this person, you know, doesn't get dates. So they ultimately miss finding the right person or relationship that can make them happy, all stemming from the concept created from these stupid white lies, you know, or or were they just going to feel better about themselves for that day because they've been lied to by other people? You know, maybe the lies will provide confidence booster that some special someone will find them very attractive. And years later, they can joke about how they met because of that awful looking shirt. You know, uh, in the end, uh, it's the decision to tell white lies larger lies or the truth should be weighed as carefully as possible because one never knows what the results will be when they play out and then it's generally too late to do anything about it. You know, uh, uh, why, why do kids learn to lie at such a, a young age? Well, I have a theory. Number one is because we always ask them why they do things. Well, kids don't think that much. They don't take into account how you're going to feel. They don't take into account the big picture. They take into account what's going to get me the greatest amount of pleasure right now. And that's what they live for. That's what they want. And they want power. And so they're looking for power. They're looking for influence. They're looking for a way that they can influence decisions. And so basically... If you're going to ask a kid a why question, which is a motive-based question, why did you do that? They don't know the answer. Really? Why don't you ask them, what made you decide to do that? How did you decide to do that? Don't do the why because they're going to lie to you because they know you have an answer already. And so they're going to form a lie so that it it blows up your concept of, of what their truth, what they did is. You know, um, we all learn, sadly – at a very young age, no matter where we are, uh, we seem to experiment with forms of deception and lying, starting out at around age of six months, and we continue to hone our lying skills over the next four years. And, you know, and that's a long time. And, and it tells us that lying is a complicated business and as complicated as any other form of communication that's so compelled that we have to practice lying uh, 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 over time, we're, we're ever going to use it as our advantage. So we learn to lie at a very young age because we have no power in our lives. And our parents are making decisions that we don't necessarily like. Uh, even though they may be wiser and though they may factor in a lot more things, kids do not care. The fact that lying is so universal and starts at a young age, it tells us something important about the survival value of lying, or at least for social animals, and that lying is a tool we all inherit as a result of the social pressures and our evolutionary biology, by the way. So uh, that's right. Uh, Lying, like other things, is nearly not necessarily good or bad to some degree with most people in this world. It's just something like a hammer or a screwdriver that can be used to get a job done. So uh, that doesn't mean that that other tools can't help us and the truth can't help us, but sadly enough, when we lean on that one tool, if we're going to use a hammer to build an entire house, we're going to probably have a lot of broken windows. And so what's the point? You know, so that's the bottom line. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how to avoid lying, how, what it is to be human as a liar, and uh, how we can weigh our lying, and how we can read body language of people who lie. Come back. <laughs>
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something that is unexplained that is missing in your life, you'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about trust and, and the, the telling the truth. And, you know, quite frankly, the only thing, the only goal of this show is to make us aware of truth and how it can help our lives. And it's really important to make it a value of integrating more truth into your life. We as humans, we're flawed. Uh, like I said, we, we lie all the way from six months probably even from our first words. I mean, we just lie. Um, and that's part of life and it's part of being forgiven and it's part of uh, being human um, because we have to be survival oriented in many ways. We have many reasons for why we do things, but some people use telling lies, uh, using the truth and bending the truth as a way of life. And that's not what it is meant to be. It is simply uh, something that you really need to take a swipe at uh, and make a greater effort at trying to integrate into your life so that you can have more peace with the way your life is living, with your ability to have relationships, with your ability to function. You know, every argument you will ever have in your life, every conflict is rooted in one thing, 
trust. And so all the truth is, all, all that happens during that conflict is a negotiation for what the truth is between people. And so uh, that negotiation can go on forever, can never be resolved sometimes. But the bottom line is if you can just try to go back to, I want to tell the truth and I want you to hear the truth. And I... I may understand that you can't uh, really take in the full truth, but I can give you a piece of it to understand uh, at least where things have been coming from. And once again, the only right and the only ability we have as people is to tell our truth, which is our perception of the truth. Um, we do can tell facts and let them interpret. That's okay. But how we tell the facts is also important in how we relate to the truth. So here's what, you know, problems of avoiding the truth, you know, it's easier. A lot of people think it's easier to avoid the truth. It feels easier than facing it head on. People that avoid conflict are big liars. People that can't stand to have conflict in their life see that as the enemy. They lie. They lie and lie and lie and lie or they avoid. They avoid it, avoid it, avoid it at all costs. And that means they may do things they never would want to do in their life because they just can't stand conflict. Unfortunately, these people live in secrets. That doesn't mean they're evil, but what it does mean is they don't like conflict, which means they don't like life. You know, this idea of it's easier may appear to be true, but it's, it's actually more difficult uh, to avoid the truth. You know, it's the path that keeps us from experiencing genuine fulfillment, joy, growth, love. Who doesn't want to have that in their life? Also, commitment, avoiding the truth, it, it, it really destroys relationships. If you want to work on a relationship, work on the truth. Work on how to tell the truth to each other and telling the truth to each other so that you can move on and heal. If people deal with the truth in a relationship, that relationship will last. If they deal with arguing constantly over mistruths, it will eventually die because nobody wants to deal with lying their whole life on big things, especially like affairs and crazy stuff like that. Um, so commitment, avoiding the truth keeps us from deep knowing that we are ultimately only one, the, the, the only one responsible for what we're experiencing. So when we commit to facing the truth, we clearly see that there is nobody left to point the finger at and nobody left to blame. So it calls for taking responsibility. Well, guess what? Moving into adulthood is taking responsibility for everything you do in your life. What did you do? Not what did they do, but what did you do? Because that's important to, to offer how you have complicated the picture. And being able to take responsibility for ourselves means that we are a person that can have relationships. Uh, there's a lot of lonely people in this world because they don't tell the truth and they can't live in the truth. And quite frankly, they are their own God. They believe in themselves as their own God because they live in a delusional lie that even God would not not even relate to. And once again, I come from a Christian perspective. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to preach. But, you know, a lot of Christianity is uh, has the same values as all other religions. And so, you know, we're not that far apart. You know, avoiding emotions. Often we're, we're taught to put up our attention only to the good emotions and ignore the bad ones. But the truth is, all of our emotions are valuable and necessary and are there to process and learn from. So, you know, we learn from bad things that happen in our life. We learn from events that happen. You know, face the truth and see what it does. You know, also changes. We avoid facing truth because deep down inside we hold 
the knowing truth has the ability to create permanent change. Even though we may not know on some level that it will result in a positive change, we're resistant to it because if any kind of change takes us out of our comfort zone. Also, our ego is horrible. It's a monster. Facing the truth has the ability to shatter everything we've ever believed about who we thought we were. And this means we must have the willingness and the courage you know, to go within and redefine and recreate who we are from the inside out. And this can be deathly frightening to the ego. The ego is scared, especially if the ego doesn't like to hold accountability and has no relationship with a higher being whatsoever. Uh, no, no understanding of forgiveness. A lot of people who can't forgive, they don't understand what it is to change. They just don't want to change. And so they're bitter and they hate problems because they don't want to do hard things in their life. But every time you do something hard, it makes your life easier. Also, there's discomfort. Facing the truth often results in us uncovering aspects of ourselves that, that you know, initially it may cause us a lot of discomfort. So we discover that we've been, you know, hiding these parts of ourselves due to the fear of what others may think of us. So the truth and these are very, uh, uh, the very parts of ourselves that set us actually free is actually moving through that discomfort, making those hard choices. Facing the truth means we have to make hard choices. And guess what that does? It builds character and it creates the opportunity to learn and also gives us freedom. Uh, a freedom to be who we are, you know, to be human. You know, you know that's a question that's uh, been around since we're human. Uh, and though we're very imperfect and essentially most of us have kindness and sensibility and good natured uh, to us, at least some aspects, deep down, uh, we're wired to be bad. Uh, blinkered, idle, vain, vengeful, selfish, and uh, so tune into my next show because I'm going to talk about uh, <laughs> despicable us um, and how to not be. Um, there's no easy answers, and there's clearly a lot of variation between people. But here, here we shine some evidence based on uh, the matter of how uh, uh, humans operate and reveal the darker side. We view uh, oftentimes uh, uh, minorities and the vulnerable as less than human. This is truth. Uh, many people do. It's sad. Uh, um, you know, there's a blatant dehumanization. Uh, that's, this is a scientific study that, you know, like uh, we do de dehumanize homeless. We de dehumanize drunk people, older people, young people, aggressive people, loud people. Also, um, we also experience uh, some pleasure at another person's distress by the age of four. Amazingly. It's called a bully. And there's all of that. We all have that. And, and if you say you don't, you're not human. Uh, we also believe in karma, assuming that the downtrodden of the world deserve their bad things that happen to them. That's their karma. Also, uh, we're, we're dogmatic. We, we, we're rational and open-minded and straightforward way to correct someone's false beliefs would be to present them with some relevant facts. However, uh, we don't. Uh, we're overconfident. We bury ourselves in our own perception, and we personify that on other people. Um, we, you know, we would rather electrocute ourselves than spend time on our own thoughts. To know what you're thinking, oh my gosh, what a nightmare! And and the fact is, that we're vain. We're overconfident in some areas of our life, and we're hypocrites. We like to, to portray what a person should do, and then we go do what uh, uh, what we're not supposed to do. 
uh, we're all uh, trolls. Uh, we, you know, we will troll on Twitter. Social media is all about trolling and uh, stalking and all kinds of crazy things that people do, but that's what they do. And what's strange is we value ineffective leaders uh, with psychopathic traits, which is crazy. Now, I'm not talking about Trump. Um, I'm talking about a lot of leaders out there that, that work in corporations and businesses and people's lives that actually can hurt people. Yes, I don't want to go into the political arena, not whatsoever. I, hopefully, that will resolve itself one day. Uh, and also, here's what's also strange about being human is that we are actually attracted to people with dark personality traits. There's a sense of people wanting to heal them for some strange reason. Now, what's body language? If you know, uh, uh, here's some body basics. Uh, positive body language is people moving closer or leaning closer to you. That means they want truth. Relaxed, uncrossed limbs, very important aspects of positive body language. Long periods of eye contact, that tells you they, they're willing to hear the truth. You know, uh, looking down and away out of shyness, genuine smiles. Yes, a lot of people don't have genuine smiles. Pe some people are butt ugly, but when they smile, they have a genuine smile and it's a beautiful thing. You know, there's also negative body language, and, and that this is where we get our cues that someone may be having trouble with the truth. They're moving or leaning away from you. They have crossed legs or arms. Uh, they look away to the side. They don't give good eye contact. Oh, this is a big one. If their feet are pointed away from you and towards an exit, that's a big one. Or if they're rubbing their nose, eyes, or the back of their neck, that's a good sign. Something's going on within that person. You know, so one of the biggest advantages of learning to read body language uh, well is being able to judge when someone is lying with a fair amount of accuracy. So, you know, your intuition, which calls for you being a peaceful person, peaceful, peace means acceptance. You accept life as it is. Here's what's amazing. Can you just live in this moment? Can you get out of your head into trying to predict disaster and looking back on all the bad things in your life? Get out of your head and actually live in the moment. You may discover that's the meaning of your life. Strangely enough, you know, it's important to be accurate. But with a little practice, you can become more aware when you're being fed a load of crap. So it's very important to recognize what kind of lies you're actually detecting. And, and the techniques, were, you know, is a big thing about understanding uh, about how to do that. And that's that reading the meta communication, which is the nonverbal. All right, that's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. You know, I would love to hear from you. DRGBMFT at SBCGlobal.net. I know that's a mouthful. Or the Absurd Psychology webpage on VoiceAmerica.com, the Empowerment Channel. Now remember, to most parents, other kids look average. But theirs look like magical unicorns. And also remember, thank God, mirrors keep secrets and don't make sarcastic remarks. And also, remember, make sure to tell your kids that the star on your phone pad is really a snowflake and direct dials to Santa for updates on their behavior. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 